Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the generic podcast. We talk about everything horror, science fiction, and sometimes fantasy. Press. He has a great deal of knowledge about the literary side of horror, is a leading member of the Horror Writers Association, and the head of the Utah chapter. He's put some fantastic work out, and that I think all of y'all should check out. So, without wasting any more time, let's jump right into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Generic Podcast, where we talk about everything horror science fiction and sometimes fantasy today we have on cody from timber ghost press how are you doing today man i'm doing great uh thanks for having me on this is exciting hell yeah man i mean i've, I've looked over your catalog and you know i got this i got to this book and i've been waiting for this forever um ken broski's the beyond um and i've just started digging into it i got a, a couple other books i just finished so now i'm like on my next like pile of books for the month um so so tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into uh, any of the books that you have tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh you know kind of like how you got into horror yeah so um yeah my name is Cody Langill uh I'm 40 I'm retired military I retired about two and a half years ago from um and uh last year I started Timber Ghost Press in January so it's been going on now for just a little over a year. But my journey to get to Timber Ghost Press is kind of a long, crazy one. And it starts when I was a little kid uh, with my mom. Uh, we used to watch monster movies like when I was little, like really little um, <clears throat> on TV, like Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Monster movies, you know, like Godzilla, things like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were big movie buffs, so we were always going out seeing different movies and I probably saw like some horror movies when I was way too young <laughs> but it's okay because it kind of helped shape uh, who I am today but that's where I got my love of horror was with movies to begin with uh -huh. and then um, that just kind of evolved I got into reading uh, really hardcore uh, in sixth grade but I started reading fantasy to begin with things like R.A. Salvatore, um, Robert Jordan, things like that. And then it slowly morphed into Dean Koontz and Stephen King, H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, so that's where my love of like reading horror really got into uh, was that. Bentley Little is another uh, horror author that I really like, Ramsey Campbell. Mm -hmm. um, so that started to shape uh, that journey. But I knew in sixth grade that I wanted to be a writer um, after reading those fantasy books. Uh, so I started writing, uh, got more and more into it. Eventually, when I started going, uh, you know, for my undergrad, I went for English uh, for my undergrad. And then when I was looking for what I wanted to do after that, because I knew I wanted to get a master's degree in something, All right. um, 
it was kind of a toss up like, okay, do I want, do I want to get into education and be a teacher or do I want to kind of pursue those dreams more? And I found a college, Seton Hill University out in Pennsylvania, and they had a master's degree in uh, writing popular fiction. And not only that, but they would narrow it down to like, do you want to go down the horror track or the fantasy or the sci-fi track? those things. So I, I um, got into that school and it was amazing. It was really humbling too, because at the time I thought I was a pretty decent writer, but you know, then I got other students and uh, college professors just tearing my stuff apart, but in a good way, you know, it was never yeah. like harsh. It was always constructive. But then shortly after that, I started uh, writing a lot more, uh, sending my stories out, finally got picked up. My short story got picked up and published with uh, Dark Moon Books. And then uh, after that, I started getting more and more picked up and I wrote my first novel. And now, I, man, I think I've got like five books out and a bunch of short stories. But yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, like how I got to where I am here uh, a little bit. Um, back in, I think it was 2011 or 2012, uh, the World Horror Con came through Utah. Okay. So I went there. Um, met a bunch of cool people, kind of found out about the Horror Writers Association, joined them, and then I wanted to join a local chapter because I kept talking about regional chapters. And I found out there wasn't one for Utah. So uh, I did some digging, reached out to uh, the HWA like officers, asking like, okay, well, how do I start one? They gave me everything I needed. I started uh, a chapter here and it's been going pretty strong since I, I think about 2012, 2013. But one of the things we always wanted to do was kind of like promote horror in Utah. So we came up with this idea of doing an anthology every year, like kind of putting one together, doing an open call for other authors. And we would choose a different theme each year. And it would be something that our group would be, become known for. So um, we did that. And, uh, one of our members had a small press at the time. And so he kind of picked up the first couple of them. Uh, and then after that, we switched it to another publisher and then to another one and another one. And it finally got to the point where it was becoming a big pain in the butt to get inventory and control inventory coming like from three or four different publishers. I mean, all these publishers were great and great to work with, but, you know, going to four or five different sources when I need more books for conventions and like signings and stuff was a pain in the butt. So eventually I decided what if I started the press and then I would do all the anthologies from that point on one point of control um it'd be a lot easier to control all that stuff so that was the big push uh, for me to start Timber Ghost Press was to be uh, that publisher for our chapter um, and do all the anthologies from there on out I didn't want to just do anthologies though I wanted my press to be more um because I've worked with some small press uh companies uh, that were great to work with and I've worked with some that were not so great I'm not going to name names because I don't want to be that guy um, but I kind of had this idea of what I wanted my press to be I wanted it to be this place that authors could send their stuff to and know that if it got accepted they were in good hands uh, you know I try and do quality covers I try and do quality editing um, I try my best to uh, promote and market which is one thing small presses sometimes lack is uh, marketing. So it always falls onto the author to try and do all of that. 
and you don't get as much gain because you're going through a small press and you've got to do royalty like shares with them. So that was something I wanted to take on and be able to provide uh, for my authors that you know I publish is to be able to provide them a home for their book and know that it's in good hands and that I'm gonna do everything in my power to make it successful, uh, not only for my press, but for them as well. So, and that's where we are now. Uh, we got, my first first one we published was 21 Grams by M. Reagan. Um, they wrote an awesome novella. Uh, it's so different than anything else I ever read, but I knew pretty much as soon as I started reading it that it was one that I, was, I wanted. And I kind of felt bad offering um, the author a contract because I was like, man, if this got picked up in a better, like, you know, a bigger name publisher, you'd do so much better, but it's mine now. So <laughs> that was the first one. The next one was Legend of the Dog Man, and it just published um, on January 11th. And then the next one coming up is The Beyond. You've got a copy of that. Um, and it's scheduled to officially launch on the 15th of this month. So what, what would you say is like your process for, you know, like you're getting the, so you're putting these submission calls out for, um, I guess we'll start with the anthologies first and then kind of move into either novellas or novels. Um, so first one, when, when you're thinking about putting together an anthology, how do you come up with the idea when, you know, when you're working with everybody in, in your team, how do you kind of guide like, okay, like, for this year, this is going to be the theme, and and this is what we're going to be looking for. What goes on behind that? Because I know there's like a lot of different like moving parts when you're putting anthologies together. Yeah, and I'm going to break it down into two different things because I have anthologies that my press is doing. That's just my press, and then I have the anthologies that are associated with the HWA chapter, and those processes are a little bit different. So when we're talking about the ones associated with the chapter, um, planning for those happens about six months before we even open up for submissions. Uh, and as a chapter, we will vote on what we want the theme to be. And that takes a couple months, you know, because it's all via email and just back and forth. And then once we pick the theme, uh, we'll vote on a title. I'll like kind of give everyone, give me your title ideas and then we'll throw it together in a poll and we'll take the top three and then we'll vote from those. So then once we got a title um, and a theme, now we can start working on the submission guidelines and like what we want and how that works. And uh, the, the way we kind of do it is generally in January, we'll open up for those submissions um, and we'll post it on our social media and around through a few other groups locally. And also now I, I'll go through like Horror Tree and Duotrope, um, Submission Grinder, things like that, just to get the word out more. And then uh, the submissions will start coming in and we usually put a deadline on. We've always done a deadline of Halloween, you know, 31st of October, midnight, so you've got from January to October 31st to get something written. And we open it up to uh, poetry, flash fiction, short stories, and sometimes longer like novelettes, you know, like up to maybe 10 to 12,000 words. Then we'll only choose one of those uh, longer ones. But at the end of the submission deadline, what we'll do is um, we do judging on uh, a blind read. So I'll get three different judges. Uh, I'll have I'll get all the stories together. I'll make sure there's no personal information on it so you don't know who it's from. And I'll send that out to the judges. They'll go through them and give it either a yes or a no. 
and it takes two yeses to get into the uh, anthology. Um, so that's how we do that one. If we're just talking about the anthologies that my press is putting together, um, kind of a similar type idea, but I, you know, I'm choosing the theme, um, the title, all that. Uh, and then also uh, I'm doing all the selections as well. Uh, I, I'm reading through all the slush pile, you know, all those different submissions and handpicking the ones I want to go in there. So it's not, those ones are not a blender. Yeah. So, so out of those, <clears throat> when you're, when you're going through those submissions, um, you know, like, obviously I, I don't do any of that kind of stuff, but as, as you know, when I'm working with uh, friends that are, you know, they're coming up with their stories and they're like, Hey, you know, can you read this? Um, how, how, how do you, or maybe you don't, how do you differentiate things that are something that you, something like a, a genre or a specific kind of trope that you're like, I really like this versus something that you don't like, but you also are like, okay, this is really well written. Like, is there, is there kind of a line between that where it's like, it needs to be something that you really are into and it's well-written or can it be something that is not something you're into, but is still well-written? Uh, yeah, so to answer that one, when we're talking about the anthologies, they have to fit the theme. That's mm -hmm. one of the requirements. And when we pick the judges, um, they have to be familiar with that theme. Like the last one, the one that we're going through right now that's in the process of getting ready to publish was a cosmic horror theme. So I'd made sure all the judges were familiar with that genre so that as they read through the stories, they knew kind of like some of those tropes that readers are familiar with are there. And it kind of fits that overarching thing. Um, and we end up rejecting some stories that are well-written and good stories just because they don't fit the theme. Mm. Um, and even for my press, when I'm looking for novels and novellas, I've rejected a lot of really good, well-written horror stories, but they don't fit the brand I'm going for for Timber Ghost. Like I have an idea of what I want for my press and what I want to be known for. And I, I've had to tell them like, hey, look, this is really, really good, you know, but unfortunately it's just not fitting my vision of what I want. So I'm going to pass on it, you know, and I'll try and like give them some other options because uh, I'm familiar with a lot of the other publishers out there. So I'll try and give them like links to their submission pages, you know, like, hey, check these guys out. I think your book would fit great with them, you know, or something like that, just to try and help them a bit. Because, you know, as an author, uh, it, it sucks to get rejected. <laughs> yeah, there's no way around it. There's the nicer ones, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it was great, but not what we're looking for. Those are better than just a form rejection. But yeah, unfortunately, it's just not going to happen all the time. Yeah, this, I mean, it's, it's interesting, like going through and like submitting stuff, um, you know, I myself have like submitted some things and, you know, I've got rejections. I think that's one of those things where a lot of people, they get this like idea in their head and it's not a bad thing, you know, as long as it doesn't like, you know, your head is not just getting too big for itself, but you know, it's right. like you get something that you really love and you've read it and you're like, yeah, you know, like I got it, you know, and then you submit it to a couple mm -hmm. places and they all, they're all like, no. Um, and I think that that's one of those things that just takes not even really just practice you know because that's one of those things that, as a writer or you know um, pretty much anything creatively you have to have that that practice and you just kind of like get in tune with 
your craft. Um, but I think a lot of people, there's like this weird stigma against like, you know, like I want to submit this, but like, I'm going to get rejected. And it's just like, yeah, like you might, it's like, it's a yes or a no. And like, you know, uh, the, I, I've noticed that when I talk to people that submit to a lot of, of, of smaller presses, they generally either get some good feedback uh, or at least it's not just like a, no, this is not what we're looking for kind of thing. So there's more um, dialogue there, which I think that's yeah. very important. Yeah, and I think the reason for that is like as a small press, you know, we're not getting the amount of submissions that a bigger press is getting, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I know of some when they do an open call and within a week, they've already got 400 stories, right. you know, whereas uh, I did my first open call for an anthology and got, I think, maybe 60. So mm -hmm. uh, the amount that I have to go through, even though for me alone is a lot, right, it's nowhere near the amount of another press like if i was getting that amount of stories like 400 stories in the first two weeks yeah i don't have time to give the detailed feedback that i give to some of the rejections that i give right. um it's just a matter of time economy at that point and it's nothing personal but you know plus i i'm not a big i'm the only employee for timber ghost mm -hmm. uh, I contract out my covers. I contract out editing sometimes, uh, the internal formatting. I have someone I work with, but they're not on my payroll or anything. It's just me. So. And I'm doing a bunch of other stuff too. So. so so if it's just you, like how, so like with me, like I I do that like thing that a lot of, like if you go on like Instagram, people always kind of like pick fun of themselves when they do this. But like right next to me, I have like a stack of books that like, you know, somebody's like, what book are you reading? And I'm just like, oh, well, let me go down the list. Right. <laughs> books. It's just like, I'm reading like these three books and then like, these are the next ones. But it's like, I'm like super slow at reading, you know, like, and then like some of my friends, it's like, I'll start like a book, you know, it's it's kind of like, um, it's not anywhere near as bad, but like when I was in, in school and I'd be sitting there and I'd be reading something and I'm like, four pages in and then like everybody else is like finishing and the tension is like rising and you're like oh crap how do you um since you're going through all these submissions like do you do you read all of them fully or are there certain like methods that you found that you can just go through quickly and and decide okay like these out of these 60 i'm gonna like look at these 40 and then just kind of like narrow it down like how do how do you go about doing that so i i read pretty quickly um uh, speed read mm -hmm. uh, so i can read through submissions pretty quick um but i've done enough reading and critiquing and know, knowing what i want uh that i will generally know within the first few pages if it's something i'm going to want to pick up um so when they submit to me, they're submitting a sample of their work, unless it's an anthology and then they're submitting the whole thing. But when we're talking novels and novellas, they're, they're sending me 5,000 pages. Most of the rejections I give, I, I will reject after, you know, maybe five pages out of uh, those 5,000 words. Uh, 5,000 words is maybe what, like 20 pages, something like that, somewhere yeah. around there. Give or take. Yeah, but in five pages, I can pretty much tell uh one if they kind of know what they're doing you know when it comes to the quality of writing mm 
uh, if they know how to craft a story um, and if it's an interesting story. If they meet all those things as I'm going through, I'll finish the entire sample. And then out of that, um, I will still probably reject most of them because I reject most of the stories I get. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty picky with what I'm looking for. If I still find it pretty interesting and I'm hooked, I will ask for a full manuscript at that point. And then I'll start reading through their full. And most of the time when I ask for a full, I'll go through the whole thing uh, just to see at that point. Um, but even then, there a lot of times when I ask for a full, chances are, you know, it still may get rejected. Um, there's, I probably rejected about eighty percent of the full requests that I get, um, just because I get through to the end, and then by that point, I really know now, like, okay, is this something that's going to fit with what I'm looking for? Uh, is it well written? If so, or if it's a cool story but not well written. Is going to be worth my time and effort to try and get it edited to the point where it will be really great, or does it need a lot more work? Mm. Things like that. So, so you'd also so you, you mentioned earlier uh, when you're talking about how you got into horror and you know coming up as a child and watching all these uh, different kinds of like kaiju movies and like creature features and everything. Mm. What was what was like a singular movie like if you could go back out and like pick like one film that you saw out of that entire span is there one that like hit all the right notes for you that you're just like this is what's making it for me kind of thing uh we're talking about movies from my childhood or just movies in general movies in general so so from like from like now to like your childhood or maybe like if there's like a couple you know like maybe one when you're like you're younger and then like in your teens and sure yeah um that's a hard question yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> like, <laughs> there's, there's just so many, so many different kinds of like yeah. subgenres that i really enjoy <laughs> um, one movie in particular that i i love is the witch um okay. yes yeah. uh, i really love the atmosphere the slow burn of that um it's not a perfect movie in any sense of the mean like there are things like if i was writing that movie i would change you know um but I really love those those movies where it takes its time and it builds up that sense of dread and creepiness. And we can't really trust what we're seeing or what's going on. And I thought The Witch did a really good job of doing that. Um, now to kind of flip the coin, I you know, I cut my teeth on, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies and Friday the 13th. Uh, child's play movies like that you know so i kind of grew up watching those like slasher type movies whereas nowadays i'm not so much into those anymore um, I, I just kind of like those slower burn stuff but on the flip side like i have even though most of the films really suck i really like hellraiser <laughs> i'm right there with you like i, I love <laughs> just the concept of hellraiser and like what's going on and like kind of look into the deeper meaning of it all and like I said, most of the follow-on films were not great, but there's little gems inside each one that you know you can kind of pull. But I, I do like Hellraiser quite a bit. So. It's so they have the um, I think the I don't know is it a remake or is a is a reboot? One of the other for the for Hellraiser is coming out later this year. I think it's, it's a reboot, I believe. Reboot. Um, yeah. 
I'm pretty excited about it. Um, just kind of watching what's going on with that. I'm definitely going to watch it and hopefully it's good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until it happens, but I'm pretty excited with like the direction they're taking it. Uh-huh. That stuff. But, you know. Yeah. I think between, between that film and then um, I don't know if you ever saw the cube. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those two movies I don't even know if they came out around the same time, but I watched them pretty much like back to back. Okay. Um, yeah. And so those two films, and and I think I, I think I like got confused, uh, because I was so I was I had watched like one through three of Hellraiser, and then like mm -hmm. I saw this other film, and I was like, oh, the Cube. And I was like, that must be like the the little box, you know the right, yeah. The Puzzle Masters box, and you know, I was just like, oh yeah, and then like I started watching that film, and it, like I think those two films, and like being able to expand on the kind of horror that like I I I hadn't really seen that in any other kind of film except for mm -hmm. you know Nightmare on Elm Street, where it's like they're they're taking everything that is like reality right and then they're putting yeah. this other layer on top of that so it's kind of i think those are the kind of things that set me up um later in life when i started playing silent hill which is like my favorite yeah. franchise ever oh yeah silent hill's great so, um, <laughs> the movie not so much but the games uh, are great <laughs> oh yeah the, the the movies are not <laughs> the video game yeah i still remember playing i think it was two but there's one point where you get inside this uh, apartment building and you're walking through and there's a dead person on the couch and the TV's off and you turn your back and then the TV turns on. I was like, oh yeah. Things like that, you know, just weird, creepy things. And then there was a point like, uh, I think he's in the school, the high school or something like that. And there's something rattling in one of the lockers. And of course you got to go open it up, right? And then there's nothing right. in there. And yeah, <laughs> it's weird, creepy stuff like that. It's great. Yeah, that takes, so... I, I definitely like agree with you as, as far as the like the witch and everything as, as far as the atmosphere I think that's like a huge part you know whether it's in mm -hmm. films or books um, especially in books I think a lot of the times um, I've read books that I just I couldn't get into I'm just, I don't mind films that are slow burns but I find it harder with books that are slow burns um, so I so one one that really amazed me, um, and I have to now I have to go back and reread it, um, is the ritual. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. So I I give books a pretty decent chunk. Like I'll read a book like halfway through before I put it down. Mm -hmm. Which like most people are like I'll read like ten pages, and I'm like nope. I'm like I need to see kind of where they're going uh, with it. And so when I was reading that. I got like halfway through and I was just like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. And then one of my friends was like, no, but like the last like 10 pages are great. And I was like, I don't know. And then like, so I had been putting it off and putting it off. And then I finally, um, I, I picked up Netflix, um, again, mm -hmm. uh, I think like a month or two ago. And my friend gave me their password and they're just like, there's a whole bunch of horror on there. Like, just go and watch it, you know? When you get tired of Shutter, like go on there and and do and, and watch this stuff. So I went ahead and watched the film, and I was like, oh, I was like, maybe like I need to like go back and read that. Like, there's so much like stuff that I'm missing. Um, but it's it's interesting because so you're the first 
guests that I've had on here who was like, you know, like I used to watch slashers, but now that I don't, and then like you're bringing up the whole um, as at, atmospheric and like cosmic horror yeah. uh, style, and uh, I don't know why I don't know why there's not more of that. I think that stuff is more unsettling. You know, like I can walk away from a from a slasher film and be like, okay, well just kill a whole bunch of people I don't care about. <laughs> but then like the atmospheric kind of like cosmic dread. And then like, you're like, am I going to go home and there's going to be like some weird thing, just like staring at me in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know, yeah. And speaking of the ritual, man, the creature in that, in the film, yeah, in the book too, but like the film, I think they did amazing with how that thing looked and moved around and did its thing because it was just so unnatural and creepy and weird, especially that scene where uh, I forget who it was, one of the main characters was looking through the woods mm -hmm. and it, the creature finally like moves a little bit and you see it for just half a second and you're like, oh, that wasn't a tree, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff was great. I think it's like that kind of lost in the woods thing too where it's like i i want to say everybody but i i think a good majority of people have either gone camping or at least gone to the woods at some point in their life and like for me so i grew up um in new england and i live in texas now so um when i was growing up there were a lot of times where like uh we'd go out and like dude, it was like this weird patch of wood and if you went in like if you went in like one very far direction there was like this weird old dilapidated shed and we were just like yeah like that's old man tucker's shed you got to stay away from that and i was just like okay and you know it's just like i'm just a little kid and you always got yeah. like the bigger kids who are like fabricating all these stories but like you don't know that you know, <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you know, he's going to come and get you. And then it's just like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, we're going to go. We had to like collect some rocks or something. So, you know, you would go and like do whatever in the woods, you know, things that little kids do. And uh, then like, I remember I'd like, I'd like go home sometimes and I'd be like, man, like they said he, he like watches you in the woods or something, you know, and then I'd, I'd like my, my window would be like, you know i i'd be like here you know here's my bed and like i could like just get up from my bed and look out the window and you know sometimes it'd just be like the wind or something or you know some there's some like little animal out there and crunching through the leaves and you're you just got like the wheels going and you're like oh man is there is there something out there and Mm -hmm. so when you get to those movies like the like the witch and, and the ritual and everything where it's like they're in the woods it's, it's like a it brings and resonates with me because it's like yeah stuff is creepy i think in the witch would be even more creepy because you're you're pioneering you have no idea what the hell is out there you know so yeah so some of my favorite kind of like horror mashups are like western and horror put together and uh i do like sci-fi and horror too and it all comes down to i think like that isolation that you're talking about where they're out there by themselves or even if they're in a town you know there's not help you know, right. if you want help, it's going to take a long time for someone to get there. So you're kind of on your own. Uh, that's why I think movies like The Thing really works. Uh, Alien really works. Um, it's because they're out there by themselves. 
you can't just pick up the phone and call the cops and hope that they're going to show up on time, you know? All right. Um, so that kind of isolation is great in films and books. So the Shining, another example, because they're out trapped, you know, in that hotel. The book's great. The movie's great. <laughs> so, so with all these kind of uh, different kind of like isolation is uh, seems like that's something that is like really um, important for your horror. And then um, just like the that overwhelming like dread how and and i guess maybe we might have even touched on that but how did you take what you're what you're aiming for as far as a publisher and then the name like how did you like meld the two together to get the name that you have uh, you're talking about timber ghost how yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay so timber ghost is another is like a nickname for elk um because they can disappear like into the woods and you'll never see them uh, and i i hunt elk quite a bit mm -hmm. I uh, really love elk, um, so it, it felt natural for me to kind of put those two things together, my love of, uh, of the animal and my love of horror and writing, and kind of come up with this um, name for my company, Timber Ghost Press, because one, for one, you know, sounds spooky, right, Timber Ghost, um, unless you know what it is, but um, uh, yeah, so it was just kind of my my own little thing. So you, so you said that you recently left the military uh was any of your time in the military like some of the things that you've experienced did that kind of carry over um into the horror that you're looking for and the horror that you write or is it completely separate it it trickles into the horror that i write um quite a bit um i wrote a series called the dark tyrant series and in one of those books uh, one of the main characters is a Air Force uh, veteran. So I could just take some of that knowledge that I had and pour it into that. And then, you know, some of my knowledge of like C-130s and things like that, it, it just kind of trickles in a little bit, makes it a little more real, I think. Um, but yeah, as far as my press goes, the only thing I carried over was just like, I guess, my organizational skills. Because <laughs> I have to be pretty well organized to keep it going. Right. I'm not looking for military horror per se. I'm not opposed to it if it's written well and kind of fits like the criteria that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're cool. I, I, I think military horror is cool in some aspects. I've always loved those like specialized teams that were built to like tackle some weird problem. Like, you know, Blade 2, the team of vampires, that their whole purpose was to try and kill Blade, you know? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, there was a Clive Barker video game called Jericho. Did you ever play that? Um, I didn't, I remember the cover. Uh, I'd never got around to playing it. I should, I need to go back and, and play that now that you mentioned it's it. It's okay. But the concept was like, you have this team of like specialized folk that are built basically to fight all these demons and monsters and stuff. So I always think that's kind of cool. So, you know, it, it ekes into a little bit of my writing, but yeah. Yeah. I, I had, I had that on my playlist, and and then I think I wound up just playing uh, Fear. I don't know if you've ever heard of those at all, but it's like you're yeah. you're just chasing around. I, I think it was just like one girl. Uh, it's like a ghost, and she just like was basically just going berserk and killing everyone. Um, but I think that was that was like right around the time where you know, they they were trying to bridge um, first person shooters with horror and 
Yeah. It, it, a lot of people love that game or that or that franchise i should say but it just didn't there wasn't enough scares in it for me to like there were times where i would forget that i was playing a horror game because i would just like it was like yeah. a weird map design or something and like the atmosphere again like it wasn't there it wasn't like i was playing um you know like silent hill or or dead space dead space is like a big one for me because of yeah, uh, alien and i think alien is probably <laughs> probably one of one of if not maybe uh my favorite film of all time as far as horror goes um yeah and it's interesting you mentioned that because i think what happens is or um when you have something where it's like a first person shooter and you're running around and they're trying to make it a horror some of the horror goes away because your main character has the ability to i don't know fight the darkness right Right. And I think when we do that, it kind of takes one foot out of the horror genre a little bit. Mm. There's still horror elements in those things, right? Like, I love aliens a lot, um, but it is not as scary as Alien was, right. I think. Um, I prefer Aliens over Alien when we're just talking about movies. I think it's <laughs> an awesome movie, probably the best Alien movie out there, you know. In that franchise but i think when we start talking about horror i feel like alien was firmly in the horror genre whereas aliens was more action adventure with horror elements in it if that makes sense yeah i mean that's i mean that's one of the reasons why i so initially when i started kind of coming up with the conceptual process of what i wanted this show to be about like one of the things was like well do i just have it be horror and then kind of be very rigid about you know what I did what I discuss or like do I add other things in it and I was just like well I really like sci-fi so I gotta put that in there and I have to put um fantasy in there because those three bridge a lot um and I I had talked to some game devs a while back just you know at a, one of the bars that they have down here or breweries sorry there's different like, little difference uh and uh you know i was i was listening to their conversation and and they were talking about fallout and uh how a lot of people don't recognize that they're like a lot of fallout is like it's you know it's like a post-apocalyptic game but there's Mm -hmm. a lot of horror elements to it you know like you're coming up out of for sure apocalyptic world and you know, there's all these creatures trying to kill you, and like, there's the whole kind of concept of, um, you know, the unknown. But like, you're you're learning what is out there, um, but it's still not, it's not the horror genre. But there's horror elements in it. And they were like trying to explain to one of their friends that it's just like, yeah, like, you know, it's a first person shooter adventure, but the horror elements have to be there and and be understood because that's that's what makes the game adventurous you know um so it's like trying to explain horror to people that really aren't into horror or aren't into sci-fi but like don't realize all the different kinds of crossovers yeah. uh, i i find that that's always a very interesting thing to kind of get them into i also find too a lot of people who aren't into horror only think it's blood and guts Yep. Where, whereas you got like tons of like subgenres within, you know, horror. You know, you got your body horror, your aliens, your ghosts, paranormal, occult, cosmic horror, all sorts of stuff. 
Um, and they're all very different, but they're all horror. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's some, especially like with Stephen King. Um, when I talk to people, when they bring, when I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I really like horror. That's what that's always what it is. It's either I don't like blood and guts, or you know, and like slashers or whatever, or oh, like Stephen King, and generally their little slice of of horrors or Stephen King goes is whatever's out in film and more often than not it's just it and i think it's fascinating because then it's like you can give them other books and you're like well here you go most of stephen king's stuff while it has horror horror elements is is really you know different kinds of um fiction that kind of weave horror elements in but aren't necessarily Mm -hmm. horror themselves um And then, like, when people read that stuff, they're like, oh, yeah, like, it, they, like, there were moments of high tension, and, like, this was super creepy, but it's, like, it's not, like, you know, it's not blood and guts and people getting ripped up and, you know, like, all sorts of, like, extreme kind of horror all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so has, has that been kind of your experience as well when you're, as, as you were growing up, when you, you told people that you're, like, this is what I like, and you're, like, oh, man yeah it's just like you said oh yeah like stephen king or oh, i don't like slasher movies or like oh well, have you seen the others you know <laughs> you know that's a creepy one with nicole kidman yeah uh, it's not a slasher at all but it was super creepy <laughs> um, so yeah, i've ran into exactly the same thing people who aren't familiar with the genre just kind of like check mark the big names you know the popular things so without realizing that there's just so much out there yeah the uh i think so there's two that are really funny that so one is one is that when i so i've talked to several people that have seen interview with a vampire you know it's a classic film and then there's a lot of people just really don't realize that that is a horror film and i'm like yeah you know like it has has all the elements it's not you know like they, there's there's gore but it's not it's not like you know they're not watching hostile or something you know but there's yeah. there's that gore element there's um you know they're, they're vampires you know so there's either there's really only two ways you can go with that is like the the sappy you know like twilight stuff which is like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave that alone <laughs> and then yeah and then you have like, i don't consider twilight horror but you know like you have like that like kind of vicious element and all the 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 different character arcs of like okay you know this dude went from being someone who's just like you know you know like screw life whatever but then also gets this new chance but then it's like this whole world that opens up is just like it's freaking that's scary man you know like you get you get stuff like that and you're just like yeah like here's here's your your intro to, <laughs> um right yeah so what would you so what what is something out of all of the horror that you've either read maybe like one or two books and like one or two movies um like if somebody was like I, you know i really want to get into horror but like, I don't want to read something like Stephen King and I don't want to read or, or I don't want to watch something that's like super gory. What is like that like starter pack? <laughs> if you could like wrap starter something pack, up and yeah. be like, this is the starter pack. Here you go. <laughs> the starter pack. Sure. Yeah. Um, so for talking 
books, right? And there's just so many out there, like you could choose from. But but if we want to stay away from Stephen King, get something a little less mainstream. Um, there is a collection of stories from Betty Rocksteady called uh, "In Dreams We Rot." Uh, it is a cosmic horror collection, and the way she tells her stories is amazing. It made me reevaluate how I write my own stories. Um, just I don't know, awesome writing. Uh, Lucy Snyder writes some really great cosmic horror too. I I would definitely recommend her. Uh, to readers who want to kind of get their their feet wet like i generally don't recommend lovecraft to people mm -hmm. um, his style of writing is very antiquated a lot of his stories suck <laughs> to put it bluntly <laughs> got a few gems in there um those few gems in there are really good and i you know kind of help jumpstart the whole sci-fi horror well, I wouldn't even go that far. Like the whole weird horror, cosmic horror thing. Because there was sci-fi horror going on well before Lovecraft. Yeah, because he he was more like, and I always mess up his name, but there was like Arthur, was Arthur Machen or, or, or Machen. Yeah, so he was he was one of them. And then um, Thomas Ligotti was one of the other ones. That, that's, that's really good. I think that has that same kind of mm -hmm. um, groove to them. So, yeah, you know, if we're talking like original sci-fi authors, Mary Shelley and Frankenstein is, mm. you know, you can't <laughs> not mention her. Um, as far as like books go, um, here's a couple of books I've read that have stuck with me. Um, one is Pen Pal by Dathan Auerbach. Mm. Have you read that? I, so I didn't. So uh, I didn't read it, but um, they had it on the No Sleep podcast. Yeah. and they had I, I forget who read it but the, the whoever the narrator was they did an amazing job but that is like that that would creep me out yeah so i think it started off as like a on one of those forums like creepy pasta or something like that. Kept going, and then it got picked up by the no sleep podcast and then uh the author dathan auerbach decided like okay i'm gonna kind of flesh it out a bit more right as a novel mm -hmm. Um, and just kind of expanded a little bit, but man, that story is creepy and disturbing um, yeah. in its own way. And there's no like weird supernatural things going on, but it's all just you know gets under your skin and mm -hmm. creeps you out. Another one I read, and this one's not even like classified as horror, but Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, another, that's another one that like everyone keeps telling me to read i just need to like go and get it get that in the in the in the reading <laughs> so be warned like his style of writing is a little off and different uh -huh. in fact i read through the first two chapters and then finally got got it wrapped in my head like okay this is how he's writing this is the rhythm of everything and i went and restarted it and started reading it again now that i kind of understood like how it's all how he does his thing Mm -hmm. He's got a cool style. It's just different. But that story is, um, it burrows into your soul and leaves a taint there that uh, will, you know, the echoes will echo through the rest of your life and you'll never feel the same again. <laughs> There's just so much like horrible things going on in that book. And it is not a happy story at all. So don't read it thinking that it's a happy ending because it's not. <laughs> Looking it's, just, it's like a slice of like, 
a group of horrible people's lives. And I couldn't put it down once I started it. Um, and I'm glad I read it, but it is, uh, it's dark. It's a very dark book. <laughs> Man, yeah. Well, I think some of the, some of the darker stuff though, that I've read, you know, not so much extreme horror and, and, and I guess some ways extreme horror as well, but just like some of the more like gritty books that just stick with you, you know, after mm -hmm. you put them down and it's not one of those things where it's, you read a book and it's what sticks with you is like the, just like the book itself when you're just like, oh man, like I wanted that to continue. I mean, there's some books that I've read and it's just like, I don't want that to continue, but also then it's like the, the nugget <laughs> that it leaves, you know, and you're like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta think on that one for a little bit. You gotta like, you know, it's like, you're not even reading another book. <laughs> you're just like, all right. Yeah. You gotta let it mellow out, you know. Now, if I was gonna recommend a book to someone who was like a horror virgin and I didn't want to traumatize them with one of those other two books, mm -hmm. I'd set them up with. Uh, there's a book called Don's Hill, and it's a series. Actually, there's like three of them out right now, uh, written by a woman named Corinne Larinaga, and it's more of like a paranormal mystery. But there's some like cool, scary moments in there, but nothing that's gonna like keep you up at night it's just enough to like get your heart going a little bit and give you that cool like adrenaline rush you know when you read something really good without leaving those horrible harrowing marks like blood meridian or pen pal you know something you can read through and be like oh yeah that was a cool story you know i'm gonna recommend this to my teacher i'm gonna give this to my friend or you know whereas those other two like i'm pretty selective on who I recommend them to like I got to kind of know like are you ready for this <laughs> all right have you you've got have you have you gotten enough experience points where I can give this yeah. to you and you know right yeah like <laughs> someone who's never seen a horror movie and you brought it up earlier like I'm not going to recommend hostile to them you know right you probably just, you know, turn them off from the whole genre and they will wow. never want to watch anything again like that just like straight traumatize them oh yeah you know like that's for like a whole different level of horror you know and you gotta be prepared for that um if we're talking like cool scary movies that aren't horrible i thought the fear street uh movies on netflix were pretty cool um i liked how it was this big overarching plot through three different movies and i thought they did that pretty well and then yeah there's some gore in there and stuff like that but i didn't feel like it was at the level of hostile and it almost kind of had like a I don't know, I hate to say it, but like a fun kind of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, Stranger Things is pretty awesome. You know, I, I'd recommend that to people who have never watched horror because it feels like it's a little more mainstream and accessible uh, to get you in there. But there's definitely horror in that in that series, you know. Um, it was like, um, I think it was it, uh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror is cool. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, but I think Black Mirror Cool is weird, like yeah, weird out there ideas, you know. Uh, when I first started watching uh, Black Mirror, I think what hooked me is because I I grew up on the Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, mm -hmm. and man, <laughs> I don't remember what the episode was, um, but like there were these weird. I think it was Outer Limits, and there were these like ants with like these people 
faces and they made this like weird sound came down from outer space and like ate everyone and i don't know what the hell was going on in that episode. <laughs> but man as a child i watched that and i was like holy crap and then like i came back and like i you know i watched it when i was older and i was like eh, it's, it's not too bad but uh like the stuff like with the like the fear street um so i think that that was like I don't know if he came out at the same time, but wasn't, did that come out before Goosebumps or was that kind of like the... So I don't remember, like if we're talking about the books, right? Yeah. yeah I forget which one came first. But yeah, those shows were definitely based off the Fear Street books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they I, don't, I don't think they, they probably did, you know, obviously, because they, they have this three film thing. Um, but I, rem- I remember just trying to read Goosebumps as a child and like my teachers were like, you can't be reading that. I'm like, it's in the library, man. Like I can, yeah. I can read it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the Fear Street ones came out and like, I think, I think it was like fourth grade or something like that. And like one of the teachers read them and like, they like took them out of the library. And I was like, the kids can't read this and they're not ready. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> I was um, King in like sixth or seventh grade but. <laughs> you know and that's like the thing like he like especially with Stephen King there's a lot of literary fiction that he's written that is just just as well or even better or, or well written than um, a lot of the horror that he's come out with yeah. and I just I think I would sit down and read some of his works as literary fiction before I would read like uh, what is it like catcher in the rye or something like as a student sure. just like uh, <laughs> you know um, sure, yeah. so when you're when you're writing um do you listen to music or like do you or, or is it just like is it silent or do you have to have like some kind of like background uh going when you're when you're doing your writing or how's that come together so Earlier on in my writing career, I did listen to music when I would write. Um, it kind of helped just I don't know, drown out what was going on around me and I could just focus on my writing. I found now though that I, I prefer more silence when I'm writing mm-hmm. um, because uh, when I'm listening to music now, I, I tend to actually be listening to the music. Let's <laughs> get to so it. It gets distracting. Um, so yeah, I, I have to turn the music off, unfortunately. Um, so that I can get in the zone. But. If one of your your own works, right, one of your own books, were to get a movie adaptation, who would do the soundtrack? Ooh. Uh, hmm. And also, and also, what book would it be? What book would it be? <laughs> Good question. Um, it. If any of my books are going to get picked up, it's probably going to be the one that I'm writing right now because mm-hmm. I feel like it would be able to be adapted into a movie easier than my other ones. And also, I think it'd be better for a movie than the other ones. My other ones are more like a dark urban fantasy with mm-hmm. like heavy horror elements. There's just a lot of things going on in there. I mean, I guess if you had a huge budget, maybe you could make it happen, but. The one I'm writing right now is, um, are you familiar with, uh, I think it was the History Channel had that survival show, Alone? I'm not. 
the whole premise of that show is like they take these survival experts, um, put them all out on this, um, like I think it's a Vancouver Island or there's a few other places out in the wilderness and they would be by themselves. And the whole point is uh, who can last the longest without tapping out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going like anywhere from 30 to almost 60, 70 days out there. Um, and I used to watch that quite a bit because I, I, I like survival stuff. You know, uh, when I was in the military, the Air Force put me through survival school and it got me kind of hooked on like wilderness survival. So I enjoyed that show. But it's like the one I'm writing right now is like Alone Meets Cabin in the Woods. Uh, so it, it's the same kind of idea where these uh, group of people are, think they're on this reality TV show where they have to go out and survive by themselves and the last one gets like half a million bucks. But really the company that's doing it is uh, setting them up to be ritualistically hunted down and killed by this beast that's on the island that wakes up every now and then. They're kind of feeding the beast so that it will go stay on the island, eat all those people, and then go back to sleep. Awesome. <laughs> all right. So I think that would make a better movie than <laughs> but, uh, Well, don't sign me up to be sent there, but you know, sign me up to I, right, I yeah. definitely read that. But yeah, as far as like the soundtrack goes, man. Hmm. Are we talking like movie scores or are we talking like a band? Oh man. Um, I mean, that would be that'd be like free creative range, you know, like orchestra, band, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I really love uh, the music that's coming out of like the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian. Okay. Uh, man, what's his name? It's like Ludwig something. Yeah. Know. Yeah, but, he did. Um, like I, I, so I think he did the soundtrack to Tenant, which I haven't watched yet, but I've listened to the soundtrack like a million times. But he he's almost like a, the guy who made the soundtrack for Dune. So I should be able to remember his name. Ludwig Goranson is yes. Okay. Yeah. But I really dig his style, man. It's such a cool sound. Yeah. Um, I think that'd be great. Um, but if not that, then we gotta go with some like 80s synth, like from the thing, like a John Carpenter. Okay. <laughs> or I think that, so, that, I always so thought that change cool. the atmosphere either way, or or would it be do you think it would be like two different um aesthetics or yeah, probably some clashing aesthetics, but man, it takes me back to my childhood when I hear like that synthy, like 80s horror kind of sound. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, if we were just going to choose like a band or something like that, I'm really into like Tyler Childers, Coulter Wall, um, kind of that folk country kind of sound. So something twangy. I could I could see how that would like, especially depend depending, because um, you're saying like the the atmosphere is something that was like really big in what you're looking for a lot of the time. So like that kind of music, and and getting like a good horror aesthetic, I think they meld together really well. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially just because it's it's one of the it's it's a genre or or genres that like a lot of people unfortunately like they don't listen to and um like i think probably too many people listen to rap (laughs) so it's like when you when you listen to like you know other genres that like fit in better with certain kinds of atmospheres i think Mm -hmm. i think a lot of times like when they 
so when when it fits really well right you almost kind of don't notice that the music is playing because it's just adding to the aesthetic of the whole film and for me uh there's certain you know and it's like it's like yeah like i don't like rap but like i like when they use it if it if it fits the film yeah for sure i'm i'm cool with that but i think a lot of times uh some of these films that I see and they have like either like hip hop or like rap music or, you know, sometimes even like metal music and like, I'm a huge like metal head. Mm-hmm. Like it's like whoever put the soundtrack together. It's like, did you, did you watch this film before? Right. Or like, does anybody explain to you like what's going on? Um, so yeah, it's like, it's interesting that like you, you pick like either, either those kinds of like bands and genres um, or those kind of composers, because those are the ones mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to be paying, you're going to be paying out the wooza for them, you know, like right, if you yeah. people on, but I think there's a certain level of like, if, if you want the atmosphere to be at like ranch it up to 10, that music has to match, you know, sure, yeah. uh, I think a lot of times with music, especially in film, uh, it can overtake like, especially with horror, it can overtake the points where there's like jump scares sure and then you just don't even need them you know because yeah. it's like that whole like everything there's just that whole kind of like creeping dread oh, feeling yeah. so like what movie it was insidious yeah the music in insidious is like nerve-wracking like the violins and stuff and they're just mm-hmm. like screeching you know yeah man it gets under your skin and you're just like oh, <laughs> i like it <laughs> And then like, so like, even when they did have the jump scares, though, it's almost like they built up to it and you knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but the way that they present it, you didn't expect it. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. Insidious so, is, a, I really enjoy that movie because of all the stuff that's happening in the background. Yeah. That movie taught me to watch the background of almost every film I watch now. Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> in the background, is there going to be some weird little ghost kid running around? You know, right. <laughs> someone standing in the curtains. <laughs> it used to just be, you know, uh, watch out for. There's there's two things. There's either the watch out for the mirror, like the mm-hmm. mirror would always tell you yeah, something, yeah, yeah. or you'd yeah. have like the the jump scare moment where. Uh, you know the killer's right behind you but it's like you know that and then yeah. you know insidious i think was one of those you know more modern films that was like no they're not behind you and like it's you're not going to see it in the mirror but we already showed you like five times but you weren't looking mm-hmm. because like, yeah, you're not man. trained to do that haunting of hill house was awesome with background stuff too like mm-hmm. on netflix did you ever watch that one no it is it's that is one of the things that's on my watch list i i pretty much so I got Netflix, um, and then the first show that I watched is is not even horror, um, but there's this um, Japanese series. I think it's based on a manga um, that I've also never read. It's, it's called Midnight Diner, um, mm-hmm. and it's about this mysterious uh, chef who owns this diner, and he opens at twelve o'clock at night and closes at seven, mm-hmm. and it's just this whole like you know people come in it's like every single episode is like a slice of life kind of thing you know like some character comes in and their mom has cancer and it's like all the like main characters are like trying to like help them get through it or you know so 
uh, that was like the first thing that I watched. Um, and I binged like all five seasons. Like I think the last time I had Netflix, it was like two seasons. And I was like, there's more. Okay. Uh, cool. And now I'm like stuck on all of the Korean horror films that are getting put out. And the, well, not the films, but the, the shows. Like everybody was like, oh, you got to watch Squid Games. So like I went ahead and watched that. And then um, it's been nothing but those. So I got to, <laughs> I got to branch out. Like I have like, that was, the, that was the the hard thing for me with Netflix is like, there's so much stuff to watch. And so yeah. when I got rid of Netflix, I was like, I'm spending the amount of time I would put into watching maybe like two movies back to back. Just be yeah. like, I'll add this, I'll add that. But hell yeah, like I definitely got to go and, and watch that because the, the book is is amazing. Yeah, this show is great. There's a couple jump scares but they really rely more on atmosphere and like creeping dread in there and it's definitely one of those ones where you want to watch the background because there's stuff in the background all the time in there but i highly recommend haunting of hill house what would you say um so either so either a book uh a film or or maybe like i don't know if you you probably don't have time to play video games <laughs> i would guess with all the stuff you got going on I play um, some, um, not as much as I used to, but I do play yeah. some. What are like if you could like pick three? Uh, what are what are some things that you're excited for this year? And we, I mean, we already covered um, Hellraiser, so so that that's off the table. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm definitely excited for Hellraiser. As far as books coming out, man, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little bit out of touch with what's coming out because I spend most of my time reading submissions these days. Yeah. <laughs> um, I haven't been able to kind of sit down and read like just for my own enjoyment for quite some time. Yeah. Is that, is that, does, is that something that like, kind of like, you know, like obviously it comes with the territory, but is that one thing where you were kind of like when you were getting into it and you're like, you know, at some point you can't really read what's, what's out there. It's just kind of like you're writing you're working on your own writing and it's just submissions you're like is, is there a was there a point where you were just like oh man like i really want to read this but like i can't now like like is it, you just have like a mile high yeah because every time i'd start to read something for my own enjoyment mm -hmm. I, I kept thinking in the back of my head man i could be getting work done by like reading submissions instead of this you know so i got submissions piling up uh and it was a little bit of a caught me off guard with like just how much time uh, it all took yeah. or with you know takes uh, but yeah uh, I've caught up with most of the submissions now so I actually do have some time to read so I'm a little bit excited <laughs> about that <laughs> um, but last year I think I only read like one or two books right um, outside of submissions uh, I did read one called Scan Lines by I think it was Todd yes. Keesling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that was a great book. Yeah, and it was short too, so like I didn't feel too bad about you know yeah. taking time to read it. But yeah, that was a cool book. Um, that one got under my skin a little bit. Um, yeah, it was weird, like creepy, weird, like just a killer ending too. Yeah, but it was like uh, you know. And I, I, I think it's kind of more like maybe a generational thing too, because I don't, I don't know how much it's going to resonate with like younger readers, but man, 
I remember that there were there were some times where like you know I would go on the internet and just eat, because the the time when when they're finding the stuff that they that they get in that book, you know, like the internet is just really finding yeah. rounding and nobody's watching what the hell you're doing. There's no like mm-hmm. you can't put this up there. You can't like upload this. And like man, like I would just go on and like you'd like download something and it'd be like, you know, like a Jake's copy of, and you know, it'd be like some CD that you're looking for or some film. And it's yeah. like, this yeah. is not the film that I was looking for at all. <laughs> and then depending on yeah, yeah. terrible happens. So um, there is a movie coming out that I'm looking forward to. It's a, uh, gosh, what is it called? Like black telephone or red telephone. Oh, um, it's i think it was 20th so it was originally 20th century ghost by uh joe hill right and then that was one of the so that was i think that was one of the books or one of the stories that was in there was the oh, black- based off a joe hill book that's cool yeah yeah so um i think i have that i have that on uh my my mantle next to my bed one of those stories where i'm i, I think i just because it comes out in june I think yeah. so I have a little bit of time to to read it so uh, yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that one it looks pretty good um I just like the concept of you know what it's supposed to be about kind of cool because it's about isn't it about like a, a kid who gets kidnapped and there's uh some play phone in there where he's kept and a ghost is calling him a ghost of some other kid that got killed yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah i so i haven't so i haven't read it yet but i think that's that's like the actual premise is like he gets kidnapped by some serial killer who and he puts him in the room and like the only other thing is like a telephone but the it's like the cord is cut or something so it's not even connected right yeah the, the ghosts of Still like ringing. people that have killed him start you know like you gotta get out of there like we'll tell you what mm-hmm. we did and like you know how we failed or whatever so um right. So I guess um, one big thing I wanted to to check in with you and 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 see uh, what kind of advice that you have um, for people that are either new to writing or new to submissions. Uh, you know, before we wrap everything up, what is what is like a a, a crucial piece of advice that you would give? Um, to those writers that you see kind of like like more of like a common mistake um, maybe that's either not so obvious or something that is pretty obvious that you see a lot sure Um, so when we're talking about submitting somewhere you you have to read the submission guidelines Um, if you don't and you submit something and it doesn't follow how they wanted it and they're getting tons of submissions, that is a very easy way for them to just straight up reject it and get that off their plate. Um, So follow the submission guidelines. It could be the best story in the world. They will not even read it because it didn't follow how they wanted it. Um, And they're doing that for on purpose, I think, just to weed out those who don't follow instructions, right? Um, Because they're the type of um, place that's gonna get four or 500 submissions. you know, that is a simple way for them to weed through the pile. I'd say that. Second thing, um, be ready to get rejected because it's going to happen 
99% of the time. Um, I'm a firm believer that your story has to hit the right person at the right time on the right day to get picked up. It could be an awesome story. It may just not jive with whoever's reading it. Uh, may not fit what they're looking for. It could even be the person reading is just having a bad day and they're not in the right mind when they read it and they're already you know, colored with negativity. So they're just like, no, this isn't what I want. Right. So be ready for that. Most of the time, it's nothing personal. Um, it's just because it didn't fit. Uh, but you have to be ready for those rejections. It's part of being a writer. If you're going to submit places, it's going to get rejected. Uh, last year, I think I only had two stories get picked up, and I probably submitted to 40 different places. Um, so it happens, right? Yeah. And it can be tough when you see your peers out there, and they're like, it seems like every other week, like, oh, this got picked up from here. And oh, this week I got another acceptance letter. You know, it can be hard. All right. Um, but I think what we have to try and get away from is looking at other authors as competition because they're not right. It really isn't. Um, we are not competing with each other. Uh, it's not that sort of game. Right. Uh, we need to celebrate e each other's success and just try and help each other up when we get rejected and move forward. Um, one thing I learned pretty early on in this career is you got to have a thick skin. You got to be able to take rejection. You got to be able to take constructive criticism. Uh, you got to be able to take those bad reviews when they come in and just realize that your book is not, not everyone's going to like it, you know, um, for every, you know, five people who love it, there's going to be one person you just didn't jive with and they hate it. All right. And that's okay. Cause there are so many people out there and so many different opinions. You can't let that one bad review get under your skin uh, even if they're attacking the way you write what you said what the story is about how they think your writing's crap doesn't matter just do your best to ignore it move on keep going i know some authors who don't even look at reviews at all um uh as far as their own work right just because they don't want to see any of that stuff and that's fine i'm the opposite i will read every review um and move on <laughs> I, I think that's 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 a good point that you're making there as far as um you know some people read all the reviews you know and then some people just don't and i think that's where um any type of creative you know when you're looking at uh the different kinds of feedback you get right because there's constructive criticism and then there's you know there's just criticism where it's like oh you know this book sucks and it's just like okay well did do you have any reason why or is it just yeah. you know is, is it just you know somebody getting on there just to rag on your book or something you know right, um, yeah. and it i think it's, it's hard for some people to uh digest that you know because it's one thing if it's coming from you know like they they're they're getting used to you know the rejections from um the presses that they're submitting to and you know sometimes um, an editor might be like, hey, you know, you need to change this or, you know, maybe work on this. And they, but they have their book out and then it's just, and they're just like, all right, like everyone's going to love it. Um, Not true. And <laughs> yes, yeah, and it's like, if you look, you know, I understand why some people don't want to look at um, the different reviews and, and comments that are, that are negative. Um, but to me, I've always found that when, 
I want to get better at something, I find that even if it's a review uh, of my work or like a, crit a, a critique, um, and they're just like, I just don't like it. And if, as long as they have reasons and it's not just like, you know, some people are going to read your stuff and they're going to be like, oh, it's like one star or two stars or whatever. And like, it sucked. It's like obvious. Okay. Like you didn't hit your, your art, your audience. Like that's fine. Like that is kind of just like sweep that one away. But then when it's like the ones where it's like, oh, you know, I didn't like it, but these are the reasons I didn't like it. And then that's where I think reading through the different reviews and finding like maybe you know, I have 500 reviews, a hundred of them didn't like this particular segment because, you know, however I structured it, or maybe something that I put in there. And then you're just like, okay, well then, you know, moving forward, maybe I need to change the formula around a little bit. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so one of the things like, cause I used to be part of a writing group and different critique groups. One of the things we would always bring up um, when we're critiquing someone and giving that criticism, that constructive criticism, you know, is like one person says something that they didn't like, and here's why. Cool, take it or leave it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, but if five of us are saying the same thing, that is something you should probably look at at that point. So if you're going through the reviews and you're starting to notice a theme, everyone's saying like, oh yeah the dialogue wasn't that great you know and you got like 100 people saying the same thing you probably ought to look at how you're doing your dialogue and try and brush up your skills on writing dialogue yeah, yeah. onesie twosies take it or leave it do your own introspection uh see if it fits or not but when you when there's a lot of people or a theme showing up recurring mm -hmm. that's time to really look at and try and put your ego away and you know take it as constructive feedback and try and be better oh yeah the, the whole world isn't out to get you. <laughs> um, so in, in closing, is there anything uh, that like you, you wanted to mention, like anything that you're working on or anything big that, that you know is coming out that like, you want to like draw people's attention to or anything? Or Yeah, so in fact, you talked about it in the beginning, The Beyond, um, Ken Broski there. Uh, that book, I think, is going to be great. Uh, it's gaining a lot of attention early on already. Uh, it showed up on, I think, Tor Nightfire's website as like one of their anticipated horror books coming out in 2022. It's already gotten a lot of great reviews. Um, so I, I think it's going to hit that note for a lot of different readers. Um, and I'm excited for it to come out. It's coming out in like uh, on, on the 15th of this month. Um, you can still pre-order it direct through my website, you know, um, at timberghostpress.com. And I'm mailing those out as I get the orders now. Um, I was holding on to them for a while, but now we're so we're close enough that I'm just mailing them out as I get those orders in. So if you want to get a little bit quicker, a little bit cheaper than Amazon, go through, go through me. But otherwise, you can grab it when it comes out on, on the 15th. So. Oh, yeah. All right, Cody. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll talk to you down the road. And uh, I'm really excited to finish this book, The Beyond, by uh, Ken Broski. Go ahead and go on, the, go on the website. Check everything out, everybody. Get some books. All of them are, are, are awesome, um, especially I, the 21 Grams as well. That one is fantastic. Um, so go ahead, check those books out. I wish more people would read that one. It, it was a fun book. 
I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but definitely go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for All having right. me on. This is fun. You're welcome. We'll see you, I got we'll see you, everybody on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Generic Podcast. The show is available on most major platforms, including Stitcher, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and of course, Spotify. And soon the show will be available on Apple Podcasts as well. Please consider following the show and sharing with your friends. Every listen and follow helps a lot. Make sure to tune in next week for a chat with horror, dark fantasy, and martial arts expert, Alan Baxter. It's been a stupendous pleasure having Cody Langeal on the show. Make sure to check out the links in the show notes to learn more about Timber Ghost Press. As always, I hope you all have a great rest of your week. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Generic Podcast, where we'll talk about everything horror, sci-fi, and sometimes fantasy. And until then, keep being the amazing people y'all are.